Today's episode of the Flagship Lions of Liberty podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsors at the North Spokane Hemp Company. If you have aches, if you have pains, if you have inflammation, if you have insomnia, you may want to try CBD. And there is no better place to get you some CBD than from our friends at the North Spokane Hemp Company. And now for a very limited time, Lions of Liberty listeners can get 25%. That's right, 25% off your order All you have to do is go over to NorthSpokaneCBD.com, use discount code LIONS, and that's right, you get 25% off your order. This deal will last only through the month of February, so go ahead, check it out. Try some CBD. They got everything you need. They got flour. They got tinctures. They got gummies. Give them a shot over at NorthSpokaneCBD.com, and don't forget to use discount code LIONS. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host. My guest today has made several appearances on this program, the last of which was his debate with Marxist professor Richard Wolff. Be sure to check that one out. If you have not, I will post a link to it in today's show notes. He really does love to debate because he recently had another debate, this time at the Soho Forum, where he debated the topic of automation. I'm so pleased to welcome back Anthony Samaroff. Anthony, are you ready to roar? I'm going to have to stop you there, Mark. I mean, asking me to roar. Uh, do you think that animals are just play toys for your amusement? <laughs> You're getting right that into it. You You're can, getting right you there. Can just, you can just use them any way you want. Do you, consider, them, yourself, get them do you to, consider yourself an animal? Get them to roar for you. Well, get it's just, it's a simple jump, question, Anthony. Get them to jump through hoops for you. I'm not even asking to you to roar. I'm just asking you if you're theoretically ready to. If I'm, if I'm prepared to. If I'm yes. prepared to. It's a, it's a question about a possible future. Well? <laughs> we could do this uh, all day. I, yeah, we could. We could. This is like uh, um, like the, the play fight argument that couples have when they're actually not play fighting. <laughs> they're seriously resentful of one another. <laughs> Uh, Wait, are well, we seriously the, resentful of one another to do our, our, but, uh, our podcast celebrity feud? Uh, we are now. We are we now. Are, if we, we were before, before, we are now. Because I'm just here like, can you just answer the damn question, you son of a bitch? Come on. Why do you always have to embarrass me in front of friends, Mark, whenever we go out? <laughs> this always happens. Why do you have to argue with me in public? Can't you wait until we get home? It's just because I love you. Don't you understand? <laughs> this is how I express myself. I don't understand. Clearly, I wasn't ready to roar. Well, that much is evident. That much is, is well evident. <laughs> I am now. Roar. All righty. But you did roar. You did, in fact, roar at this recent debate at the Soho Forum. Oh, Can you first? Yeah. What? What? What do you got to say now? I thought I thought you were saying that I did roar, as in I did just roar there. Oh, no, I was that like, was, yeah. I'm not counting that. I, I jumped through the hoop, but actually you meant I roared at the debate. Yes, I presume. Yeah. A roar of victory. A roar of victory. Spoiler alert if you haven't heard it, but it has already, uh, it was released a couple of weeks ago, I believe, on the Soho Forum feed. So why don't you first tell us a little bit about this debate? Interesting fact about this debate, your opponent at this debate was not the originally scheduled opponent. The original ske- mm. scheduled opponent was... Andrew Yang. Oh, and what happened to that guy? He got busy, I guess. Yeah, I guess he got busy running for president. Well, he was already meant to be running for president. We had him scheduled to debate me at the Soho Forum in September. And they'd already started selling tickets, but he punked out. I guess either they were genuine when they said he didn't know where he was going to be in September, or maybe he had an advisor say, look, if you win this debate, 
it's not really going to mean much because it's frankly not that well known a person compared to you. But if you lose the debate, it's going to be dreadful for your campaign. So maybe stay away for that one. Of course, I am speculating. So instead, we rescheduled the debate for January with uh, Martin Ford, who wrote a book called Rise of the Machines or Rise of the Robots. I can't remember. I think that was one of the Terminator Uh, movies, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I think I maybe sometimes get the two confused, which is funny because there's that's an Easter egg for anyone who's not um, seen the debate. Go go back and listen to uh, go go and listen to the debate, and there's something in there uh, regarding this. I don't want to I don't want to give the game away. Well, sir, if you give it away, a, it's not an Easter egg. Yeah. yeah, there's a funny moment. Put it it's that not way. Easter if you already know where the eggs are. Come I mean, on. if I'm completely honest, I think that uh, Andrew Yang would have put up more of a fight. Martin Ford is very well mannered. Andrew Yang's also a more charismatic speaker. Uh-huh. And uh, he, I've heard him raise some talking points uh, on the media, which if he'd pressed me with, I would have had to actually answer back to. Whereas with Martin Ford, he seemed to have his talking points prepared. He didn't come after my points, so he didn't really give me much to rebut. Uh, so I, given I was arguing the negative on the motion, which was automation will soon lead to widespread joblessness and a concentration of wealth in the hands of the few. Mm-hmm. Since I was arguing against that motion, I just kept on going after the, the resolution itself and right. kicking it down. And uh, I won by, well, look, the, it's an Oxford style debate, which means that people vote before they go in and after they go in, uh, they, after the debate. I was at a disadvantage because 50% of people voted on my side. Right. And so you have to gain some... from that from that crowd that voted against you or was undecided, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there was only 50% who were undecided or against me. Whereas for Martin, there was something like 82% he could, or 18% voted in his favor. So there was 82% of people he could convert. Right. So, so... Technically, I was at a disadvantage, but I still gained almost 20% of the vote, wow. and he gained, he gained less than 3% of the vote. So I did officially murder him to death. <laughs> <laughs> but, Technically speaking. But, but it's not the winning. It's the taking part, Mark, yeah, although well, it is nice to win. I was going to say, was this like your, have you done many debates in, in that sort of forum, in, that, in, like a, in a forum with like a, a, an audience? Or are you both mostly um, stuck on the podcast? I, I've circuit? done a couple of debates on on on, on in Paris, and I liked going to debating society when I was at school, but I wasn't that great at it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, until later on, uh, I I don't think I've never had. A, I don't think I've been at an event like that. I've I have had debates in front of people before. I can't I can't recall, but I was very much looking forward to it. I think that. To be honest, just the opportunity, the, the win isn't the big thing for me. Just the opportunity is yeah. the big thing for me. It was really awesome. Awesome. So uh, what do you think? Uh, I don't want to go through the whole debate. Obviously, we'll send people over to the Soho Forum feed on, on the Reason uh, podcast feed and, and on YouTube. But uh, what do you think was the, the biggest point that you emphasized in terms of rebutting that that um, that initial, um, what's, what's the phrase? Resolution. Resolution. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think is your biggest, your biggest point to rebut that? Yeah. Well, I had three or four main points points essentially i looked at the is there any evidence as to whether automate uh, the job churn is speeding up is there uh, and i think the main point was to say look all through history 
automation has only made regular people richer, even though it has kicked them out of jobs. Uh, is there any reason to believe it's going to turn around 180 degrees and suddenly start making people poorer, which it has never done in the history of the world ever? Right. So that was only one of my points. As you say, like you, people should go and watch the debate because there's some great laughs in it as well. Uh, there was some great laughs, and it was quite thought provoking. You'll enjoy it. Are you telling me you you joke around from time to time? Me, I'm a very serious person, Mark. I'm very serious about libertarianism, and I'm very serious about the. <laughs> I, I have a question about economic the effects of automation. Will they ever yeah. be able to automate humor? That's a serious question. That's an interesting thing. Like what? Is- serious question. No jokes. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I mean, like automate. It's it's a good question because I thought that in terms of could you watch two AIs have a debate, right. such as yeah. the debate? Yeah, I mean, supposing the AIs are sufficiently sophisticated, could you download each of them into something resembling a human body and have them debate the motion and then upload a humor, you know, a humor element that somehow allows them to formulate jokes? I mean, I I, I really think like I, I, it's kind of a joke, but if we can teach robots to perform surgeries and things of that nature, I don't see why you can't also teach them humor. Well, I guess you'd have to, the thing about humor is the element of surprise, I guess. And Mm -hmm. uh, you lead someone down a road where their mind is going one way and then suddenly it doesn't go the way that they think it's going to go. So it would be a challenge, I think, but I'm guessing people have already been working on it already. I mean, they're, they're trying to get these AIs to write symphonies and things like that. Right. Uh, personally, I, I don't think that an AI can be conscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people think that they will eventually if they're sophisticated enough. My personal view is unless they use biological parts, that's probably not going to happen. And now, at that point, we're talking be... about an, an android, I guess, more than necessarily just a, a yeah. robot per se. Yeah, well, I mean, I could be wrong. This could just be my prejudice. I know uh, religious people wouldn't have any problem uh, climbing on board with that idea. I'm not particularly religious, but um, I just, for some reason, I, I, uh, my prejudice is to say, yeah, you can have a really complicated, clever AI, but I personally don't think the lights will ever be on. Of course, I could be proven wrong. Would you, be, would you ever be able to tell? I don't know. There's another question. That is a good question. How would how would you tell? I mean, and I if you can know. tell, does that make it? You know, does that take an element away from it? If you can, if you realize it's a robot, or you realize it's robo robo humor, or whatever. Right, right. And uh, but the thing is, I mean, it comes back to Descartes, isn't it? How do I know that anyone except for me even has a mind? Right. You, I could be dreaming you up, Mark. Yeah, we could be dreaming each other. Well, I'm right dreaming. Now. I, I, I wish that. Weird, why is dream- this what I'm dreaming? Yeah. I really have some questions I know, about why myself. Is this what I'm dreaming? Like, <laughs> I would have made you like maybe um, have long red hair, larger breasts, <laughs> uh, uh, less beards, more uterus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is more of the nightmare version of that. <laughs> right. All right. Well, I do encourage well, people to go check out the debate. We'll, of course, uh, I will link to that and post uh, the video over in uh, today's show notes. 
And uh, But the other topic I wanted to discuss with you, besides robots, it's something that I'm not even sure where it came up. I think it was an offhand comment I saw in uh, on a Facebook somewhere uh, relating to the subject of animals and vegetarians and, and sort of how to approach that topic uh, from, from the libertarian angle. And uh, this is something that I don't think I've ever addressed in the nearly 400... 30 plus episodes of the show that I've done uh, but it is a topic that I've I've spent some time thinking about uh, and to this day it's one of those things where I think about it a lot but I don't have a strong position because I just kind of I, I just not sure I have different I have different kind of thoughts on it we'll get into those in a minute but at first I just want to kind of get your your stance on because uh, you are a vegetarian correct are you a vegetarian or, or a vegan I'm vegetarian, vegetarian. Okay. Uh, I le- vegan leaning but okay. I, I I'm not really I'm not religious about it uh-huh. And I'm also, I'm not really very preachy about it. Like if someone else brings it up and has arguments, I will make the case. I will make the right. case, but I don't, I don't tend to bring it up myself, which leads me to the point to say it has come up on my show, the Scottish Liberty podcast a few times, um, cause it's been relevant to s- topics we're discussing. However, we've never done a show on it. And that is despite quite a few people that quite a few of our listeners uh, asking asking if I do a show on libertarianism and vegetarianism because they were curious to hear my thoughts and sometimes people in libertarian groups I've seen myself recommended as a guest to certain libertarian shows to talk about it um, but I, I decided not not to do an episode of our show on it so when you said, I was going to do a debate with uh, Stephen Clyde. I don't know how many of you know him. I don't know if he's been in his show, but he was. Yeah, really, he's been on the show before. He was really busy with uni. So a debate slash discussion on it. That was, he was probably going to give me a bit more pushback, but uh, he was really busy. So he had to suspend what he was doing. And uh, so that never came to pass. However, uh, we're here now and I'm th- thanking you for the invitation Sorry. because it allows me to, it allows me to talk about this without seeming preachy. Um, so so it's, it's a good context. And, and obviously people, people who listen, listen because they're interested in listening. All right. Well, why don't we just start by digging into your perspective and, and why, when and why you first became a vegetarian? Were you a vegetarian pre-libertarian or is this a post-libertarian change? Roughly, maybe, maybe that line isn't necessarily clear, but. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I think I was I was on my way to becoming a libertarian when I became vegetarian because it, it must have been about ten or eleven years ago, and that's around the time I became a libertarian. So I don't know which came in first, um, but it's it's an interesting thing. So uh, because given that the the, given that nonviolence is at the center of the libertarian philosophy, I'm going to already pause you there because I would just, just for my own personal uh, sort of semantics here, I would say nonviolence is not at the center of libertarian philosophy. I would say non-aggression is, whereas defensive okay. violence would still be considered violence, but be personally, personally, perfectly okay, justified. that's good. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, given that, all right, I won that debate. That was easy. Okay, given that non-aggression is at the center of the libertarian philosophy. And you do have to slay an animal in order to eat it, unless you find it. And, you know, if you find, right, there's no ethical issue if you find a deer at the side of the street that's been hit by a car, right? It's, all, it's already dead. Maybe for some people there is. Maybe some people think it's intrinsically wrong. That, that's the first qualification I'd like to make. Like, uh, so my problem isn't, my problem actually isn't with people eating meat. 
my problems with pe- people slaying animals. Uh, so, uh, and there's more problems than that because, so for example, it's also context dependent. So obviously if you're on a desert island, uh, the only thing to eat is a pig. Can you eat it's a pig? Of course, it's you like you predicted. Course, you predicted yeah. what my listeners think because I have some questions yeah, yeah. we'll get to later. And yeah, yeah of course, those are a little bit. Yeah, that 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 one I think is you know that that's that's a red herring, right? Because if you're in an extreme circumstance, you basically do whatever you have to do. Like a lot of people, if they were on a desert island with you, Claire, Mark, Claire, Mark, <laughs> choose a name. You know, a lot of people would eat you. And a lot of people wouldn't hold it against them. You, dear listener, if you were in a, if you, if two of you were on a desert island together and it was one or the other, a lot of people, you know, driven to madness, driven not, I want to say madness, but driven to extremes by starvation. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I'm, the reason why I'm having this discussion, this preliminary discussion, is let's just figure out what the ethical issue is, right? right. In the north of Scotland, because we've deforested so much. There are too many deer relative to the forests that they're trying to restore. So they cull the deer um, yearly in order to protect the forest. I think it's a good thing if those deers get eaten rather than be wasted. Okay, so that's not that because they're dead anyway. Right? That's so the ethical issue. Okay. Right, but so, are you, I'm, uh, I'm curious just on that end. Are you against... Okay, so you're since they're dying anyway, you're okay with them being eaten. But I'm curious if you have a issue with the original death, with the, this calling to protect the forest. Um, I do. I don't know enough about it, but I would say that, and given the context of what the overall project, it seems like sensible stewardship of nature in this case. So, would you so, say? Would you maybe classify that as you might be able to? Just in t- to get this in libertarian terms, that maybe humans are in defense of the forest, in in a sense, by by killing these these deer. It, it does complicate things here, but I mean, they're 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 in defense of the ecosystem as a whole. They're trying to improve the ecosystem, including for the deer. You know, they're basically trying to reverse damage that was done to by humans several decades. You know, before they had before they had better fuel than trees and. A lot of it was cut down for the war effort, I okay. think, and stuff like that. So they're basically trying to reverse damage that was already done. But uh, I mean, look, some violence is inevitable as part of, or some aggression is inevitable as part of nature, right? So again, one should not commit the perfectionist fallacy when they are discussing these matters. What we're talking about is a philosophy for living on planet Earth. With the with with full cognizance of the fact that you know na- nature is messy, the reason why we have laws um, against rape or murder amongst humans is because we know it's going to happen. Sometimes we we might not want it to happen, but it's like so we're we're trying to uh, plan ahead for to have some kind of code of what you what you might do in those circumstances. And you know you might not think it's justified to steal, but then if you were in a extreme position, you, you might steal. You know, most people would steal a loaf of bread to save their child, starving child, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but that doesn't invalidate libertarianism. So, sorry. So that, that's, that's um, some, a few tangents. Uh, I, as I said, I'm not religious. I'm not religious on this issue. So I probably, over the last 10 or 11 years, maybe a couple of times tried something 
and gone, yeah, do you know what? I can live without that mm-hmm. uh, for whatever reason. When it comes to um, food, you decided because yeah, I when, have an ethical conflict. If I don't love this thing, then I can I can do without it. Yeah, well, no, no, it wasn't an ethical matter. So I don't know, maybe I was somewhere and someone had some food that was exotic that included um, meat or something like that. And I tried a bite of it or I tried the sauce that it was cooked in or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, it's tasty. But do you know what? I don't miss it. Not enough to go back from being a vegetarian. What, what, so where, what, where I was coming to is given that, non-aggression is at the center of libertarian philosophy. You'd think that the proportion of libertarians that were vegetarians would be significantly higher as compared to the average number amongst the population of humans in general. It might be, I'm not sure, uh, but it's not as much higher as- I th- based on anecdotal evidence alone. But. Right, right, okay. But, Since you're the only you know, libertarian vegetarian yeah. I know. <laughs> that's my, oh, right. well, that's my anecdotal well, evidence anyway. Well, I know quite, I know quite a few and, and I know quite, uh, but so in fact, if anything, there is death, maybe, maybe it's because vegetarian and veganism is, is associated with leftism and there is a certain proportion of libertarians who are like anything the left Triggered. like. I'm reflexively against, and there and amongst that population, there is a certain like ha ha ha, caring about animals is so stupid contingent of libertarians. Like I know I'm exact. I'm not really exaggerating uh, because I I feel like that is an attitude that people adopt, and it's like look, no one's forcing it on you. In fact, the fact that you'd look down on it. The fact that someone would look down on a free choice, like, do you know what? I want to minimize the amount of suffering I cause while I'm here on this planet. So uh, I can do without eating meat, basically. Um, and to go, ha, 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 like, what an idea. You're denying your place in the food chain. Huh? Like, that's incredibly immature. And also, um, it doesn't say anything good about a person that they don't actually care that living creatures are suffering. In fact, it says something bad about that person. Like if someone came into your garden and kicked your dog and thought that was funny. That person would be sick, I would say. Yeah, yeah. You'd say that person is sick. So you don't have to be a vegetarian or a vegan in this life, but to laugh like actually caring about suffering as mm-hmm. um, immature or uh, whatever, that's... Um, you know, that's quite sad, actually. I would say that's sad. So I, I, I've spoken a lot. Um, and those are just some of the things, I guess, that, that I, I thought I'd like to float out there for people's feedback. Awesome. Where, where are you at with the conversation? There, yeah, there's a couple different areas I, I want to go down. So let's, let's start with the broader subject of the idea of like aggression against animals. And um, I think it's fair to say that, you know, if you... Um, physically attack an animal it is aggression in the in this if you apply it in the same sense as you apply it to humans i think the big question here is when most people discuss the non-aggression principle or just libertarian philosophy overall or just philosophy overall um when it pertains to political violence or that sort of thing we're discussing humans and humans how humans interact with humans sure and and i think well like rothbard talked about this too when it came to animal rights he, he would say well you know uh, an 
if an animal eats you, like if a bear eats me, I I, I can't take the bear to court. You know, I can't that that bear cannot defend right. its rights. We're obviously operating okay. on on sort of different different sort yes. of planes here. Um, so I guess okay. that's the first thing I want to dive into. Just do you do you see yeah, okay. applying Great. the broad like uh, the broad scope of a, of your philosophy that we apply to humans? Do you see any issue with trying to apply that you know to animals as well in the same way? Right. Okay. Thank you. That's an excellent question that I'm sure most people have. First of all. If a bear or a tiger or any animal attacks you, kill the fucker. Right? Yes. Okay. That's not, I've, I've not got that's, a problem that's with that. That's in the defense right. realm. Right. The problem with that argument, it's a bit silly because it, um, it confuses a moral agent with a moral object, right? So to illustrate, if an insane or retarded person kills someone, we don't call that murder because they don't actually have control over what they're doing. We don't consider them to be moral agents. However, if you kill an insane person or a retarded person, we do call that murder because murder is the unlawful killing of another human being. So that the reason why is even though they're not moral agents, they're still moral objects. And the vegetarian slash vegan position is... It is sufficient that another being can suffer pain, physical or emotional, in order for them to be a moral object. That doesn't mean that they need to have the same le- the same level of rights or consideration as a human does. For example, they could be because because you know the thought experiment is what if we had. Uh, Aliens that had much more sophisticated inner worlds and uh, emotional environments and uh, were more intelligent than us, would their life be, you know, more of a, would they be justified in slaying us? We'd, we'd think no, because we've, but, but the, where's the cutoff? So uh, libertarians have tried in many ways to argue for where the cutoff is. And these are mostly rationalizations. These are mostly ways of saying, well, uh, the the necessary criteria is being able to sign a bill of rights, or the necessary criteria is the ability to reason. Right? Th- these are completely arbitrary. These are completely arbitrary. The only relevant factor is can that creature suffer or not, physical or emotional pain. And you know, you know, you know that creatures suffer. That's that. The vegetarian position is the fact that they suffer, that's sufficient. That's sufficient for them to warrant some level of moral consideration. Okay, you, I, this is another um, area I want to get into because you, you've brought up the, this uh, phrase a number of times, suffering, and if they're suffering or in pain or, or what have you. So is, is that... Is it is that more the ethical issue to you if an animal is suffering on the way to, towards this death versus just the 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 actual killing itself? Is it do you, do yeah, you distinguish so, those things? So, yeah. So yeah, I, I'll say a bit in that in a second. But okay. you raised an important distinction when I said that. Um, sorry, uh, a lot of libertarians would agree with me that animals deserve some level of moral consideration they say yeah you shouldn't just statistically kick a dog or something like that but they just wouldn't go to the whole hog like well haha oh hog you can't slay a hog (laughs) to eat it right so the suffering is the first thing right so factory farming is far worse 
then going out and hunting and, and, or instantly killing a free-range animal. Uh, factory farming is far worse because the animal suffers more. Sure, and much, that's the distinction worse. I wanted to get into because I, I, actually, I actually did spend about a year as a, as a vegetarian, uh, many years right, ago, wow. about a decade ago, and it was kind of for what you're saying, I, I got into a lot, learning a lot about factory farms and, and, and all that stuff. And the, and the, I've seen a lot of the videos and all the things that I'm sure mm. you, you know about. And yeah, it did, it did really strike me from an, an, an ethical point of view, just um, not, not from the killing, like, eating the animal itself. I have no problem with in, in theory, mm. but the suffering and, and seeing the, yeah. the, um, the conditions that really did strike me. And to me, the issue was more like, I don't know where this, most of this food I'm getting right. is from. So it's, if I have that issue, I kind of have to step all the way away. Uh, but then I, I, I ended up really for a lot of reasons, just not, I didn't feel good, not eating meat. And maybe mm. I wasn't eating that great. I'm sure there are many ways you can eat as a vegetarian that are healthy for you. I wasn't really thinking that way. I just stopped eating meat, but then ate like pasta and stuff. So I'm not, sure. I'm not trying to make that well, claim. I'm just telling you at the time uh, that I, I really just started to want meat and I felt better once I started right. eating some meat again. Um, a, a lot of people do, do go vegetarian badly. Yeah. And they, they eat much, much more unhealthy. And I'm sure I did and, because I didn't think I didn't put much thought into what I ate to replace right. it at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the thing, but the thing is, I still, ultimately, I would rather people didn't slay animals to eat them um, or, or did it a lot less of it. And how I come to that is it's just, you can pretty much figure out all of ethics, just imagining you were sharing a space with another person, um, a living room, right? Okay. How do you, how hypothetically would you and that person you were sharing a house with like to interact with each other well you know you wouldn't like to be a, you you neither of you want to be punched by the other neither of you want to have your stuff nicked you don't want to have, be stolen from right just replace that person with a cat or a, a, a little piglet or something like that you know you'd probably rather chase the piglet around the house and scratch its belly and you know it would climb up on your lap, and you'd like to you stroke stroke under its chin, and that you, that's how that's how you would ideally like to interact with a pig, right? When you think of taking out a knife and slitting that pig's throat, do you feel good or do you feel bad? Like this is like this should be. I think the natural instinct for most people would be shot to be shocked and appalled by seeing or having to carry out that act. And uh, the fact is that people who work in slaughterhouses have absolutely dreadful mental health as a consequence of it. I'm terrible sure rates of depression, terrible rates of anxiety, mm -hmm. all sorts of conditions. They get on meds and things like that because really people don't like to be around the suffering of animals. And this is evidence that I don't really think that this is a way of life that is um, supportive for human beings. Um, and yeah, and, and that's how, where, where I come to the conclusion that, yeah, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't be going around, in my opinion, you shouldn't be going around killing animals. Like it's not a nice thing to do. It's uh, causing unnecessary suffering. I think we're still equating a little bit, um, like the suffering and the killing. So let's let's just try to say, let's try to like a thing. Right, or just go to the killing part. Like, yeah, let's just go like to the killing. Kill let's go right pack. to the killing. That's how things get fun. Uh, I, I guess so. Let's kind of like think about because there are a lot of. Um, have you heard of Joel Salatin? 
if you ever you've probably heard of his work maybe maybe not um, i had him on the show once so clearly you're not listening enough uh but uh, uh he's what uh, he calls himself like a libertarian um and um he considers himself sort of like an ethical farmer he's very much against factory farming he speaks out against factory farming he's featured in the film food inc um talking right. about it and he has polyface farms where he raises pigs uh in what i think most people would agree is a, a fairly ethical manner, at least up to the point of death. Uh, you know, they get to uh, free graze. Uh, they're not tortured uh, and they're not kept in little pens, yada, yada, yada. And then eventually, yes, he, he does kill them in a, a very, well, I don't know. I don't know the way he kills them because I don't, I don't watch that part, but I, I, I understand that he probably kills them in the swiftest, uh, least painful way possible. Um, do you, can you just imagine like, if you can imagine the most humane way that an animal can be raised sure. and live its life and then be killed, do you have, obviously you have a different amount of problem with that. I would think you, you would say the factory yeah. farm is worth, but you, do you still have the, uh, the same ethical problem? With it, no, ethical I don't problem. have the same ethical problems, but or like that's or an, or any, like, any ethical problem. I guess yeah. I do have an ethical problem with it, but I would much prefer that's what was going on to what is going on. Sure. And, you know, and maybe, if you're a little bit like I, I think that ethics have progressed, society has progressed. If you, um, it, if you look at the way that children were raised in the 17th century, you'd have a hard time finding a parent that wouldn't be considered guilty of child abuse today. And um, so, um, we didn't used to care about the rights of people of different races. We didn't used to care about. Uh, I mean. The, we, we, all sorts of things that we care about now. I think uh, you know Michael Humer's got a presentation on um, on the advancement of morality over time. And uh, well, I mean, look, your your friend, our friend John Oldermatt. Let's take him for example. He does Perfect a show <laughs> about um, about criminals, yes. right? We didn't used to care about the rights of criminals or how they were treated. Fuck him. They're a bunch of criminals. He didn't care about them, but he cares about them now. He cares deeply. He's deeply and intimately concerned with the welfare right. of of people in prison. It's funny you bring so, him up because he's also an avid hunter. I yeah, I'm aware of the I'm aware of the fact. Uh, I was going to I was going to avoid mentioning it, ah, right? But he's I mean, very I don't, open about it, so it's it's all good. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, I think that. Sorry, John, you can, you can pause this at the moment or anyone else who hunted <laughs> if you don't want to hear it. It's not personal. But someone would go out and shoot an animal. You go out into the fucking forest, right? You're not even fighting with it, right? You, you're not taking any risk with your own life. That is a gentle, innocent, vegetarian animal that is not going to hurt anything. And you shoot it dead. And then you post pictures on Facebook about it. You should be ashamed of yourself. Anyone who does that should be ashamed of themselves. It's a disgusting thing to do. Uh, like it's uh, and their friends should be like, "What? You went out into nature and you shot an animal? Like, what's wrong with you? Why would you think that's normal? Why would you think that's okay?" Does it, it does it change anything to you that you know they that they do use the the uh, animal for meat and for you know they're not just killing it just for the hell of killing it it is actually, they actually oh yeah the I, guess, I, 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 I guess i'm like uh, i guess i'm see i guess i'm uh, confusing trophy hunting with hunting for food uh, that 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 does make a big difference yeah i mean he, yeah, he, he may post a picture but it's not like um he does he didn't just go kill an elephant that, he, that you're not going to use yeah the, i don't want to focus on john i'm just yeah, well, like i, I in mean in general, general like, i'm talking about hunters but, in general, but, yeah. but how could you go like woohoo i killed an animal like 
I don't get it. I don't get why someone would think that was something to celebrate. If anything, like you, you could do it. Like in the old days, they used to do it, but they, you'd maybe be a bit somber about it. And you know, I, I, acknowledging of the fact that you, you know, you took something's life here. And people don't even care. They don't. You, I mean, that I don't mean about hunting. I mean, they they don't eat meat with reverence. They don't think something had to die so that I can eat this, right? Fat people will go to McDonald's and eat burgers to get fatter, and then we have to pay for the not so much over there. But yeah, 50%, you know, you're going to have to pay for their heart bypass surgery through Medicare or Medicaid. Mm -hmm. We have to pay for it. Like, why are they, you know, um, whatever it is, you know. Uh, so I don't know. Anyway, I said I'm not, uh, th th this is maybe why I've, I've not gone to talk about the, right. the conversation. <laughs> this is why I've not done a show on the topic yet, because this is what you're going to get, you know, what I really think about it. Oh, that's what um, we want. But, Okay, cool, cool. Because, you know, I'm not like, I, I don't want people to think that if they go out to dinner with me or something like that and they order, uh, they order <laughs> the filet uh, pepperoni on their pizza, this is what they're going to get. You know, I don't bring it up unless someone else brings it up. But if someone else brings it up, I'm willing to talk about it. Hey, gang, I got to take a quick time out from this interview to tell you a little bit more about our brand new sponsors at the North Spokane Hemp Company. There are so many great things about CBD and this particular brand, and my challenge is to tell you all about it in the next oh, minute or so. So here we go. By now, many of you have heard of the amazing benefits of CBD. It is de derived from a different part of the cannabis plant so that it does not get you high. It does not impair you in any way. Uh, it doesn't make you dive into the ice cream late at night, but it does provide amazing benefits dealing with issues like pain relief from sore muscles and joints, inflammation, insomnia, and so much more. But there are a few things that make North Spokane CBD super special. First, they are 100% organic and procured directly from the farms. Uh, they are third-party tested so you know you're getting high-quality product. And they also provide CBD in so many different forms, whether you prefer to smoke it using flour, uh, whether you prefer tinctures, whether you prefer to eat some gummies. No matter what your preference is for consuming CBD, North Spokane will have the products that you need. And if that's not enough, the company is owned by a libertarian. So you get to support a libertarian cause and support your favorite libertarian podcast. And to celebrate this new partnership, we are offering 25% off for the entire month of February. So all you got to do is head on over to NorthSpokaneCBD.com and get that 25% off by using discount code LIONS at checkout. So I, I guess what I want to dig into a little more is how much of this for you do you think is like a, a personal ethic, just something you really feel bad about and don't like mm. versus like how much do you see it through a libertarian prism of, of what the law should be, of what a libertarian legal system should think. Do you think right. a libertarian legal system should have uh, bans against hunting for food, for example? Maybe let's uh, leave the factory well, farming out of it for now. Right. Well, no. Um, there would, and from what I can see, there is not only massive subsidies to meat and dairy farmers, but there's also massive subsidies to the farmers who grow the grains that we feed our most of our beef with. I'm not talking about grass-fed beef. Um, so in a libertarian society, first of all, the price of meat would be far higher of what it is now. 
So the consumption of meat would likely be a lot less. Should should the law pro- prohibit killing animals? Uh, probably not. Maybe maybe in a hundred years, if if seventy eighty percent were vegetarian or vegan, that would uh, it would become a bad habit, like smoking, where people mutter under their breath or give you dirty looks or say, "Oh, you're still smoking." Um, and it would be discouraged. I don't think. So. I don't think we're anywhere near there. Like we can't. Like if you're, if for people like who liked or maybe still like Stefan Molyneux or anything like that, it's like you can't even get parents to stop hitting their kids. So, mm-hmm. uh, what chance have you got uh, to get a law pass? Like I, I think that, as I said, right, I'm a bit of a classic liberal in the sense that I do actually believe that ethical progress has been made. Whether it continues to be made, I'm not Whiggish. I don't think that the, the future is necessarily better than the past. We could go down to really dark places. Society could collapse and we could get totalitarian government. But I do think that ethical progress has been made so far. And yeah, okay, a free market would disincentivize eating meat relative to what it is now for the because of subsidies. Sure. And, it would certainly disincentivize and, and, the factory farming, which, yes, would... By, by turn, make it a little more expensive and yeah. Yeah. And healthy foods would be cheaper from abroad. We can't, um, we can't necessarily import fruit and vegetables from a lot of poor countries because we don't have free trade. So um, that in combination with, I think, well, first of all, we hope for ethical progress. Second of all, you know, people are working on growing these burgers in a lab and people are freaked out by them now. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want a cloned burger. But once these are on the market and people get better and better at making them, finally they're going to make a burger that's nicer than any real meat burger than you've ever met. It's going to be tastier. It's going to be cheaper because they can do it in a more resource-efficient fashion. And hopefully it'll be healthier as well because they can fortify it with vitamins and minerals. So I think... To be honest, I think like many things, technology might eventually provide a solution to this. Coming back to our point on automation. Yes, there, there it all goes. So when automation gets better, we can uh, work it all out and maybe not need to eat meat anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's the backstop. That's the backstop. I, I, do, do you agree that like, I mean, there, there's, it's going to be hard to, at least I, I don't see a world where the, the desire to eat meat products is ever going to go away. At least, I mean, mm. that, that's really hard for me to picture. Um, and no matter what my ethical stances are on things, like I love a ribeye and I can't mm. imagine not wanting to eat that ribeye. Um, sure. <laughs> and that's just the, the honest uh, truth of the matter. Um, so that's I mean, fine. do you just think that, can I just say on that point yeah. uh, that that's fine. And I, I know Everyone who wants to eat meat, you know, they're going to, they're going to do it whether what, uh, regardless. I, I do, I got out of my way to like, I don't just buy any old meat at the store. I do actually usually try to go to like Whole Foods and get the step four meat where I know it's been in like gr- grass grazing and all this oh. stuff. And maybe I don't really know. Maybe it's not as good as I'd like to imagine it. Maybe that's just to make me feel better more than anything else. But I do put a little bit of thought into it, whether that makes it better or not. I don't know. Well, I appreciate anyone who takes a step in the right direction. I was just going to say, because look, I don't mind what people do. I'm kind of questioning, like, I, as I say, I don't have a ax to grind in this issue. I'm not a very preachy vegetarian, right. but 
Uh, what does annoy me is bad arguments, and that's not for this issue. That's for any issue. Sure. Uh, it really annoys me when people justify what they do using bad arguments. And I have to say, this is one issue where I've seen some absolutely dreadful arguments. What's like, like, what's the worst argument yeah. that you see? Well, well, something like Besides that. Besides just you like, ha ha ha, you care about animals. Or you, you weren't making that argument. You weren't making that as an argument. You were just being honest. But like people going, well, meat tastes good. Right. Uh, like, yeah, yeah that's that, not my but, argument. But yeah, thing, like you said, but yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because you might as well facts. say, oh, but but st- but stealing from people feels good, or you know, but sure, sure, but um, whatever. But I like beating that small child. It's like, right. no, no. If if we're if we're in the realm of ethics, then um, then whether you like what you liking it is not relevant. Like, sorry to take an extreme example. The extreme example is the rapist maybe likes, maybe gets pleasure out of that, but I love sex and I can't thing. get it any other way. So therefore, right. You, know, you could definitely, yeah. Yeah. That so, argument. so that, that, that would probably be the worst argument, but I, I, I'm just saying it because I just want to make that distinction. Cause people ask, is it not like, uh, I thought what you were going to ask is, is this an aesthetic thing or an ethical thing? Yeah. I think the moment that you admit that animals can experience pain and suffering. And I, let me say it right. See if animals were automa, automata, automatons, whatever yeah. it is, right? <laughs> see if the lights aren't off. See if there is nothing that it is like to be a cat. There's nothing that it's like to be a cow. Nothing is perceiving. Then all bets are off. Okay? I do find all it interesting are, how yeah. humans tend to decide which animals are okay to eat and yeah. not. And that, that changes from society to society. I mean, here in the United States, if someone was known to eat a dog, everyone would be horrified. Yeah. I'd be horrified. But if you go to another part of the world, that's completely commonplace and they don't see it as horrifying at all. That's completely a... Uh, mm. And I, I can't think of any rational reason other than that we like dogs and they're cute and I have dogs and I don't want to eat them. But I can't really make a rational um, argument for why it's better to eat a cow or a pig which is at least the pig i know is extremely intelligent arguably more intelligent than the dog very likely that if people had pigs as pets they wouldn't eat pigs you know we love maybe people need more bears and maybe not bears people don't eat bears that often maybe we need more cows and and pigs as as pets to to really move this issue forward i I don't know if cows make a pet but i know that (laughs) that that, i know that pigs do you know yeah goats goats can as well so so yeah i'm just saying I think that as soon as people admit that an animal can feel pain or suffer, it's no longer in the realm of aesthetics. Oh, I just prefer if you don't eat animals. It's immediately in the, the realm of ethics. Now, you may say, as many libertarians do, yeah, it's unethical to go kick a dog or to kill an, or to hurt an animal sadistically, but it's not unethical to kill them, to eat them. Okay, that's fine. Uh, um, as long as uh, you've already admitted that, but it just depends where you come. You've already admitted that it's in the realm of ethics, mm-hmm. no longer aesthetics. And I think it's not, it's not an aesthetic preference when someone's disgusted that someone kicks the dog, right? right. But you arguably, the, the main reason why people eat meat, especially the kind of meat they do, is because they enjoy it. Not because uh, so in a in a sense it's similar to the I don't want to use the word sadistic but you know what I mean it's it's still gaining pleasure from the suffering of something else. You're just saying it's in that same ethical realm. 
It's in the same ethical realm because you're doing something that's causing harm because you enjoy it, right? If you had, right, I, Jordan Peterson says he's, a condi- he's got a condition which seems to have got better when the only thing he, he eats is meat or so is his daughter. Now, I personally think I, I've got my views on, on alternative ways to approach a condition like that. We don't need to explore them at the moment. But supposing that was true, supposing that was true, I'm, I'm skeptical, but supposing it's true, he's in a different category because he's, he's eating it because he needs it to live. Most people are not in that position. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm uh, highly skeptical that anyone is in that position, given especially, you know, most animals that eat meat, when they see a dead animal, they salivate, whereas humans are kind of grossed out by it. Mm-hmm. So it's that, that in itself. But plus, you know, all animals who eat meat have natural weapons. They've got claws or big, long, sharp teeth. Um, they don't have to cook the meat. They can take the fur and the skin off the meat with their natural tools. You, I mean, you try and chase down a squirrel and catch it. You try and chase down any, any animal, catch it and eat it raw down to the carcass um, and then puke out the bones. And, Couldn't you and make the, the argument the that, that for humans, our intellect is the tool that allows us to create other tools to do these same things? So I mean, sure. is, is there really a difference in that sense? If it's really just sure. all, all of our tools from nature are being used, whatever they, even if that means we're making another tool that's still from the original tool. Well, of our, what, our what you're asking is, yeah, you're saying, so, our, so, so did we use our brain to adapt to eat meat? Well, we did because all our closest evolutionary ancestors are vegetarian, right? So yes, we use tools and cooking to adapt to eat meat. Whether that is, but but clearly, one that is ne- is that necessary? And the second debate is obviously is that even favorable? I personally think it's not favorable. One can look up the presentation. There's a couple of presentations you can look up. Um, one is. Um, are humans designed to eat meat by Milton Mills? I think that's a pretty good video to follow up with. But the second one is uprooting the leading causes of death, where Dr. McGregor um, demonstrates that 24, sorry, vegetarians and vegans have a reduced risk of 24 out of the 25 leading causes of death. 12 of those can be treated with a plant-based diet. So there's, there's, um, first of all, we know that humans can live without meat, so that they're, they're not eating it out of necessity. You're alive, second so I guess all, that's proof. Yeah, exactly. Second of, second, secondly, we know they can even thrive doing so and may have uh, a redu- and, and at least statistically, you could, you could say, well, people aren't eating grass-fed beef. Yeah, that's true, they aren't. And you can say, on the other hand, well, people who are vegetarians and vegans are likely to be more health-conscious, and that might be also true. But one way or another, there's a significant evidence that, on average, vegetarians and vegans have better health outcomes than people who eat meat. All right, well, Anthony, I brought you on to discuss this issue basically because I haven't done it before and I just really wanted to um, you know, kind of dig into it, especially you being someone who I know puts a lot of thought into any topic that, that you think about, I guess. <laughs> and uh, you know, so I knew you would have well thought out uh, talking points to go through. Um, 
I do have some more questions uh, that were given by our Patreon supporters, right. the Lions Liberty Pride. I'd like to wind the show down right now, though, and I think I'd like to save that for a bonus segment if you're if you're good to stick around for sure. a Sure, sure. So just for other people listening. Yeah, I'll let you make a – yeah, give, give a final statement and then um, and maybe plug plug away on whatever you got. Yeah, I really appreciate you tuning in, especially if you're a, a meat eater and also persisting to the end uh, because I know that um, it's very – no one likes to have their habits morally questioned, you know, but, you know, same goes for any, anyone, you know. Voting habits. Uh, <laughs> yeah, habits. voting habits, political habits, the way that they raise their children. I mean, I'm sure if you had a neighbor that beat, beat his child and you went over and told him you shouldn't do that, you would be very pissed off. Um, so anyone who... Sorry, I'm not comparing you to child beaters, but maybe I am slightly. No, maybe the, the thing is, so I appreciate you staying this long. I would just say that, you know, um, most libertarians talk about abstract ways in which the world should change and we should change the political systems. But, one, but we should always be looking ourselves at to how to put our principles into effect in the real world. And if you would like to reduce the amount of suffering in the world. There is one way, or your contribution to the suffering in the world, there's one guaranteed way that you can do that, and that is to stop eating animals or eat less of them. That would be an unambiguously positive thing that you would be doing in the world. You would, you would be able to quantify the amount of money that you were not contributing to the suffering of animals. So that's, uh, that's my pitch. Even even just to reduce the amount of suffering, uh, the amount of meat that you consume, I think would be a really good lifestyle choice. All right, Anthony. Well, it's, it's definitely uh, you know good food food for thought. <laughs> maybe pun maybe uh, intended, but uh, I like uh, good vegetarian food for thought. <laughs> no animals were harmed in the in the, the creating of this podcast. Um, and I, I, like I said, I always appreciate your perspective. So I'm glad we could kind of dig into this issue a little bit and at least get people thinking about it, even if they don't agree. Uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, we'll dig into it a little more in the bonus segment. Before we do that, I want to give you a chance to plug away on everything you've got going on. Of course, you are the host of the Scottish Liberty Podcast, and uh, feel free to mention anything else. I know you have another, you have your other uh, motivational work as well so oh, feel yeah. free to plug away and everything so there's also be yourself and love it podcast yeah. that's a personal development podcast and please get a paperback copy if you don't already of my book universal basic income for and against it's not just about the ubi but it would equip you to know a lot of that it's it's really a book about a libertarian approach to reducing poverty and it's got a brand new essay at the end. It's been revised. There's a 2020 edition. And I love the new essay, which is based on the talk that I gave in the Austrian, at the, the Conference for Austrian Economics in Vienna in 2019. It's got lots of updates. It's the, be the book's better than it's ever been. So please go and grab one from Amazon. That would be great. Oh, let me know if you want a signed one. Get in touch with me somehow, and we'll figure out how I can sign one and send it to you. Somehow, that's as far as we're going to go with the contact information. You, you guys know how the internet works. <laughs> or ask yeah. me. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I've never had a problem tracking you down. Anthony, thank you so much for coming on today and breaking down this issue for us. Keep up the great work, man. Keep on roaring. Thanks for having me.
All right, folks, that is going to do it for this week's flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. And as most of you know, it's not just me here every single Monday delivering interviews with leaders in the liberty movement like one, Mr. Anthony Samaroff. We've also got Brian McWilliams every single Wednesday, the newly fatherly Brian McWilliams every single Wednesday on Electric Liberty Land, delivering his hot takes on all the latest news and current events through his unique brand of liberty and comedy. And John Odermatt wraps up every single week with his incredibly inspirational, hard-hitting perspective on the broken criminal justice system every single Friday on Felony Friday. Be sure to hit that that subscribe button so you don't miss us wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Apple, Stitcher. Spotify. We're absolutely everywhere. And of course, if you want more, if you thirst and crave for more, you can always get more bonus content by signing up for the Lions of Liberty Pride by heading over to Patreon at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And as of this recording, we are a mere $12, a measly $12 away from our $1,500 a month goal, at which point we'll be able to afford to shoot a documentary style video and some video interviews from the LNC this coming May. We're very excited about that. You could be the one to push us over the edge again check out our patreon all our bonus content including my bonus segment with anthony samaroff where he took questions from members of the lions of liberty pride learn more over at patreon.com slash lions of liberty or find some various ways to donate uh, via cryptocurrency at lions of liberty.com slash donate of course paypal.me slash lions of liberty if you just want to toss us a few random dollars here and there or you can even subscribe monthly through paypal there are so many options for you including just coming here and getting three shows for free absolutely every single week we do appreciate every single one of you that listens downloads reviews us reviews are great we can always use more five-star reviews until next time my friends live long and live free